Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning. Uh, my name's John, or Esh, and I had one of those days. You guys ever had one of those days? Um, it, it's always an honor to stand up here. I, I take it as an honor to stand up here and to bring good news. That is something that I look forward to. Uh, but I had one of those days last night. Um, my daughter, who just had her tonsils out about a week ago, ate some uh, crunchy tortilla chips, which was, uh, it's a big no-no. And uh, cut a little scab off and the artery and the blood and the throwing up of the blood and the, that was last night. Um, so she was rushed to the ER and um, then uh, surgery. And anytime your kid goes under, you're just, it just, it takes a toll, you know, so. I'm running on a good two hours of sleep. <laughs> and normally I like to take the night before and even the morning to really go through the sermon and, you know, fine tune and cut stuff out. And so that didn't happen. So uh, we're just, you know, we're, this is going to be an adventure for everybody this morning of where we're going and what's going to happen. And uh, there's just tons of grace, isn't there? There's lots of grace uh, for all of us and for me, I hope. And and, uh, but that's just life. Life like that happens, and I don't want to pretend like I had a great night and I'm just raring to go right now. I had a really terrible night, and, uh, but I am honored and privileged, and I feel like, uh, you know, apparently this is an amazing sermon that the enemy really doesn't want <laughs> to have <laughs> preached. No, that's probably not true, but... Uh, let me pray, and uh, we'll get into it. Oh, Jesus, uh, Lord, it's in times like these where we realize just how frail we are and how weak we are, and, and so I call upon you for strength, Lord. Uh, Lord, may I believe those words that when, when I'm weak, you are strong. And uh, may we all believe that and learn, learn what that means. Uh, God, I pray that you would encourage people this morning, that you would uh, speak, that your words would get through, that people would feel lighter, that they would feel more whole and healed as a result of this time of worship together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, you are not an accident. We've been in this series, and this was the, the, uh, the one I was given for this morning, You Are Not an Accident. And uh, here's where we're going. So I have a little, uh, little list of things that we're going to talk about here. Um, we're going to do a little review, Knocked Up, the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Armed Forces, what science is teaching us, Shop Till You Drop, Chemical Warfare, Out of Order, Anuma Elish, that might be new for some of you, Ordered, Beyonce, of course, and uh, Psalm 139, both and something Victor Frankl said, and Philip and Nathaniel. So we got a full docket this morning. Uh, I have no idea what those mean, 
I made them up along the way, and uh, no, I, I have some idea. But uh, we'll see what actually ends up coming out. Uh, but here, I wanted to start with a little review in the Knocked Up. We've been in this series entitled, What on Earth Am I Here For? And uh, it's a good question to ask. What, am I, what on earth am I here for? And, and when, when it said, uh, you're not an accident, I was like, well, some people might feel that way. Like, oh, I was a surprise, right? Like, like that's the... That's the proper term, that's the PC term for accident, <laughs> you know, like, uh, well, yeah, you were a, a, a surprise, you know, a surprise. Uh, so this was, this is what immediately came to my life, my mind, and, uh, but Boog talked about in week one that it's not about you, uh, that there's something bigger, a bigger story going on, and then last week you talked about what drives your life, what is that force that drives your life, and, uh, I was supposed to talk on that one, but Boog stole it from me, and he gave me, you're not an accident. So, if you're not an accident, then I would say that most likely you're on purpose, right? You're on purpose. And so, before I get into the scripture, uh, and we're going to be in Psalm 139, by the way, just so you know, that was up there on, on, the, on there somewhere. But uh, before I get into that and the theology, I want to get into this idea that you're not an accident. I want to talk about this idea of purpose, on purpose. Pur purpose is a big deal. Uh, a friend of mine who recently passed away uh, had the privilege of meeting with lots of high-level officials, and he was in a meeting with the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Armed Forces, okay, like a prayer meeting with these guys. And uh, these are like man's men, right? Like the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Armed Forces, you, you know, you just think of them like probably having a knife on them somewhere. And uh, these, guys, these guys are overseeing so much. And, uh, and he sits down with them and he says, he gives them all a piece of paper and a pen. He says, I want you to write down the five problems with our country, the top five things that you think are wrong with our country. And so they take a few minutes and they write down the top five things that they think are wrong with our country. And afterwards, he collected them all, and he went through them all, and he found one that was in everyone's top three of all the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Armed Forces. And in the top three was, there's no national purpose. There's no national purpose. That here in America, the United States of America, we have no national purpose. We really don't know what we're doing. Uh, as a country, as a nation. We have some ideas and we conflict about those things, right? Uh, oh, we're here to be the moral watchdog for, the, for planet Earth. We're here to stop other people from destroying each other. We're here to build the biggest arsenal of weapons. We're here to, we, there, there's a whole bunch of different purposes that people have uh, in their mind when they think of, we're here to promote freedom and to bring freedom to the rest of the world or democracy. Uh, no national purpose. But the problem is, is when there's no purpose, no national purpose, no common purpose, no personal purpose, people find a way to rebel, find a way to make their own purpose up. And usually that purpose is in conflict with someone else's. Uh, and I just wanted to talk about what science is teaching us. Uh, there was a journal article, and I'm, I'm going to do a little quoting here, so 
If I look down from you, it's because I'm reading actual facts and statistics. There's a journal, journal article in the International Society of Behavioral Medicine. This is what science is teaching us. Quote, the findings from the present study draw attention to meaning in life, meaning in life, as a protective resilience factor for adolescent psychological health and health-related behavior. So if you didn't catch that jargon, because journal articles are tough, mental, there, there's, a, there's a, a direct correlation between having meaning in your life, purpose, it becomes like a, a shield, a protective resilience factor for adolescent psychological health and health-related behavior. Uh, I, this comes to my mind because there's a huge show right now that's going on on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why. And this is really big in high school right now and college, I would argue, and millennials as well, this show about uh, suicide. And then I read, I got another thing on my phone about, from a CN article, CNN article that says this, the percentage of younger children and teens hospitalized for suicidal thoughts or actions in the U.S. doubled over nearly a decade, according to new research. I was reading this whole story, and the numbers are actually super discouraging about how much uh, suicide has gone up and the thoughts of it and why people... It was something like over an eight-year study, 117,000 people were hospitalized for, for suicidal thoughts or actions. That's too many. The, the Journal of Behavioral Medicine wrote this, greater purpose in life, these are scientific journals, okay, this, this is, they've done research, they've tested it, they came up with a hypothesis, they tested it, they did the research, they came to these conclusions. Greater purpose in life is associated with reduced risk of all-cause mortality. And then I think I think I have a quote for this last one, I'm not sure. Um, but this was on, I read this on richarddawkins.net. And if you don't know who Richard Dawkins is, he's a fairly famous atheist. And I'll, I'll read it with you. An increased sense of life meaning and purpose correlates with reduced risk of heart attack, the leading cause of death in the United States, and stroke, another of the top five leading causes of death. With such benefits for mental and physical well-being, it's no wonder that a strong sense of life meaning and purpose predicts longevity. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> so for so long, and, and this article is classic, it goes on to like talk about how religion always has had like the corner on the purpose market, you know, like religion has always put itself out there as your life has meaning, you have purpose, you have purpose in life, and now science is proving this because you're designed this way. <laughs> so science is now proving this and they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> turns out they're right. Well, we gotta figure out what purpose you have. And so they go on in the article with all these sort of, hey, as long as you have some kind of purpose, it's good, you know? Just anything, just find some kind of purpose and make that your purpose and you'll be healthier. But there's no real meaning behind it. It's just kind of, well, my purpose is to, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what my purpose is. And that question, I would argue, plagues us. Right? I mean, if whatever job you're in now, at some point you sat there and wondered, is this, is this it? Is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? 
am I doing, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this the thing? I went to this many years of school and trained and did all these things and I'm supposed to do this, right? <laughs> and there's this uncertainty because we wrap up our purpose in that thing that we might do for work, whatever earns us money. And there's this uncertainty wrapped up in it, right? I don't know. Uh, I can't imagine doing anything else now. I'm not trained for anything else. So then you're kind of stuck. It's hard, right? These are, these are like real, I mean, for me at least, these are real struggles. I just turned 40 this year, by the way. And uh, it was just this moment of like, am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm, I'm 40. Like, I better have this figured out. I got three kids. I got a wife. I, am I, is this it? <laughs> and you're kind of waiting for someone to come in and tell you, yeah, you're doing it, man. That's, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, you're right there, and you're in the midst of your purpose and the thing that you're supposed to be doing. But here's the thing. You have purpose. You have meaning. You are on purpose. You are here created on purpose, and you are designed to seek purpose, to have purpose in your life. You were made this way. Science is proving it for you. Even if you don't believe what religion is telling you or what the scriptures might tell you, believe that the world is just made this way. This is how you are. You have purpose in your life. Now, the shop till you drop thing, I, don't, I didn't do a slide for this. Uh, there's just too many. I was going to put up like a, I don't know, outlet mall or something like that, but you can all imagine shopping. Because uh, I would argue without knowing our purpose, we're left to our own devices and we do what culture tells us to do, which culture pretty much here in the U.S. and certainly in Orange County tells us to consume. Um, just consume stuff, get more things, uh, look a certain way. So uh, it's not all that it tells you to do is consume, but I would argue it does tell us you need to look a certain way, you need to spend your time a certain way, you need to say certain things, wear certain things, listen to a certain kind of music. There's all sorts of things that culture is telling you to do, right? Uh, one of my friends, and, and I would just say, all of it eventually ends up coming short of what you want it to do, right? You've all heard of new bike syndrome. You got something, you got that new iPhone. You have the iPhone 5, and it was everything that you could ever ask or imagine. But now the iPhone 7's out, and your iPhone 5 just makes you angry. You're just like, <laughs> stupid iPhone 5. This thing's ancient, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you can call people across the world <laughs> and look at them on FaceTime, and it's ancient. It's terrible. Uh, it takes three seconds longer than the iPhone 7. Uh, but we're made this way. Things become obsolete. You get angry about this, there's not enough options or, you know. Uh, but he says, my friend says this. He says, how many nice bottles of wine do you have to consume on the back of your yacht? till you hear the existential thud of the American dream hitting the floor. How many nice bottles of wine do you have to consume on the back of your yacht until you hear the existential thud of the American dream hitting the floor? It doesn't do what you want it to do. It doesn't. Some of you have never gotten that. 
So you're like, well, I just, just give me it first, and then I'll find out for myself. <laughs> I'll tell you how many bottles of wine it takes. <laughs> I will keep track. <sighs> Isn't that just how we think? It is. It's how I think. Uh, here's the thing, this idea that you're, you're, uh, you're not an accident is one thing. Uh, and it's easy to say that when the world feels ordered. Um, the psalm that we're going to read, Psalm 139, it's, an, it's a psalm of orientation. Things are ordered. Things make sense in the world when, when David writes it. It's a th- psalm of personal thanksgiving. Things are going well in your life when things are ordered and you feel like the world makes sense and you feel like... Uh, my job is going well, I'm healthy, there's no one sick in my life right now. Um, you, you have friends, you find joy in your days, it's properly ordered, and in those times you can praise God and thank God that he's faithful and that you feel blessed, hashtag blessed. Life feels meaningful and good. And then there's the time when nothing makes sense. You've suffered. And it, it, it's, it's like, for me last night, it doesn't make sense to see my daughter like that. That to me is senseless uh, and painful. You experience pain, loss, heartache, divorce. A business partner took the money and ran. Your kid make that, made that decision that, decision that just cut to your heart. I, uh, I saw this Instagram photo from my friend Jeremy. I've shared about Jeremy with you in the past, and, uh, and I want to go to this picture right now. Uh, my friend Jeremy does a lot of work in Syria and Aleppo and, and, uh, and Mosul. And this is from four weeks ago. He, he writes this. Horrific chemical attacks in Syria today. We're responding. This was four weeks ago. For this father, it was just a moment ago. The world does not always make sense. It is not always ordered. And so we talk about purpose and meaning and, and, and all these sorts of things, and yet we come face to face with something like this, and you're like, well, what's the purpose of that? What's the meaning in that? And we cannot hide from that truth, or we're doing ourselves a disservice to pretend like there isn't pain, like there isn't suffering, because that's not the world that we live in. We live in a real world, and if it's going to be a real world, it needs to be free to be a real world for people to rebel against the natural order of things, of how it was set up and how it was intended and how it was created in order for it to be a free and real world. Stuff like this has to be free to happen, and it's awful. And we've talked about this before, you guys, that our binary thinking doesn't work for stuff like this. And we try so hard with our dualistic minds to make sense out of something like this that is senseless. What could this child have done to deserve that? 
There was another photo I thought about sharing, but it's honestly just too, too painful. There's just senseless things happening, and the world is not always ordered. But it doesn't mean that there, there is no purpose. It doesn't mean that this father and, and his child are not created in the image of God, because they most certainly are. point is the world is out of order, but it was created for order. Uh, you know, there's, I want to talk about the creation story. You know, there's some creation stories that predate Genesis. This is that weird word I wanted to share with you guys, uh, Enuma Elish. Um, the Enuma Elish is, a, is, is an old text. It was found not that long ago, actually, but it predates the Genesis story. It's, a Bab it's an ancient Babylonian text. And in this creation story, let me just tell you how, you guys may have read the Genesis story, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and it was good and he just was having fun and well, let's make some light and let's make some planets and let's, you know, like all these things, having a good time. In this story, there's already a bunch of gods. And the creation story, the god Marduk, pretty cool name, takes on the, gar, the god Tiamat. They battle for who has the final word. And Marduk defeats Tiamat in this epic battle. He then rips her carcass in two and places half of the carcass up as the sky. Welcome to the carcass of Tiamat is our sky. Takes the other half of her carcass and molds it into the earth. The blood of another defeated god, Kingu, is what was used to create human beings. Um, and the point of those human beings is to serve the gods, these violent, beautiful gods. Uh, this story, <laughs> this, is a, this is a, this is a story that was widely distributed in the ancient Near East. This story is born out of violence and death. And some of us live in a story like that, born out of violence and death. Now, I want to read to you the creation story. Uh, it's Genesis uh, 1. I'm just going to read a little bit. Uh, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's interesting that gender, gender emerges simultaneously, just so you know. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion, that word radah, to rule over it in Hebrew, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. 
And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. Very good. God didn't just create trees. He created trees that could make more trees. He didn't just create a plant, but he created a plant that would then make more plants. And he created humans that wouldn't just, he didn't just create all the humans at once, he created humans that would make more humans. And sometimes I think we get this idea that, well, it's just a machine that God set in process and then said, I'm out. And we feel very distant from God. Would you agree? Yeah, I'm just, I'm born like everybody else. And I'm going to die like everybody else. And you feel very distant. You feel like, oh, this is just a moving cycle thing. But I would argue that that's not the case. Remember, you are designed with purpose in mind, and that when God places his image on things, I would argue that he's intimately involved in that every time. And that's what we find in the writers of the, of the scriptures, that God is not just, did not just set something in motion, though he did make it so that you could rule and have dominion and create and co-create with God. Now, just so you, I, I want to just do a little fun little thing here. Um, I got some slides of some quotes that I found in, in popular music. Just to, just to say that this is written on our souls as human beings. Um, so, Boog, if you can go to this first slide. Oh, it all came out at once, huh? All right. I thought I did this cool thing where you could do like, you know, they come out one at a time, but I didn't. Uh, Awake, my soul, for you were made to meet your maker. Mumford and Sons. Anybody heard of them? Uh, what about this next one? Put to rest what you thought of me while I clean the slate with the hands of uncertainty. So let mercy come and wash away what I've done. Lincoln Park. <laughs> not where I, it's just not where you expect to find these things, that there's something more going on in life. Uh, I, I, I see these things like... Someone in, in anguish and someone in pain and crying out like this. That's a true and real experience. Uh, and I'm moved by it. I'm moved by it. Now, we have to, generally, when you're, a pastor gives some random quote, well, as far as I know, these that are not born-again believers, but, you know, they got it right for like five minutes right here. Um, no. <laughs> are they made in the image of God? Yes. Is it written on their hearts? Yes. Is it in their souls deep down? Yes. Was Jesus constantly saying, oh, that you would have eyes to see and ears to hear? Yes. Was he trying to open up a world that is right in the midst of this one, hidden, but trying to burst out? Yes. That's what the kingdom was that he was proclaiming. It's right here. That's what resurrection is. Let's see the next one. This one's one of my favorites. I'm just trying to say the way school needs teachers, the way Kathleen needed Regis, that's the way I need Jesus. <laughs> Kanye West. <laughs> you all have opinions about Kanye, don't you? Made in the image of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Though Kanye might say made in the image of Kanye. <laughs> uh, and the last one, Beyonce. To say that they say that true love's the greatest weapon to win the war caused by pain. 
True love breathes salvation back into me. What? <laughs> now, this is like a love song. Don't read the rest of the song, but I'm just saying. Like, uh, but we always think of it like, well, we have, you know, Christians have the corner on the purpose market and on the truth market and all those sorts of things. It's like, look, hey, this, is, this always was, always is, and always will be God's world. And we always have been and always are and always will be created in his image. You bear it, and he is intimately involved in it. All right, to our, our passage of Scripture for the day, and then two more things and we'll close. For it was you who formed my inward parts. This is David. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. Does that sound like a distant, uninvolved creator? No. No. David, in his moment of orientation, writes this out, in his moment of thanksgiving, that this is how it was ordered. It was ordered like this. And you knew it all from the beginning and even from before the beginning. I had both and up there because, but I feel like I already talked about that. Our, dis, our dualistic minds want to break up the world into two things. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes suffering is a part of the deal and God is still good. I want to talk about something Viktor Frankl said. Uh, a man named Viktor Frankl is a Viennese psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, survived, he's a Holocaust survivor, did a lot of study on what happened in the concentration camps. He has a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, in this book, he talked about, talk about what happened to people in the camps. And he said, sometimes people would lose all hope. And it would happen quite suddenly. And he writes, the, quote, the symptoms of this were very familiar to us experienced camp inmates. We all feared for this moment in our friends. Usually it began one morning when the prisoner simply refused to get dressed or wash or go out to parade the grounds for inspection. No entreaties, no blows, no threats had any effect. They just laid there. They had given up. Nothing bothered them anymore because they had no hope. That's, that's a life without purpose. A life without hope ultimately is despair. But what's written on your heart is purpose. What's written on your heart is hope. Tim Keller, he, he writes this. I think I have a slide for this. Uh, he says, there's no way to get through life unless you know how to get through suffering. And there's no way to get through suffering unless you have a living hope. And Frankel goes on to talk about that those that found a living hope survived. This was, again, just the science of it. <laughs> you were designed with purpose in mind to co-create, to order, to name, to subdue, to fill, to multiply, to do all these things. You were designed that way. 
to love and to be loved. And whereas in some stories God created the world out of violence and death and that you are meant to only be a slave to these violent gods that are angry and wrathful, in this story God creates out of pure joy and celebrates the creation and gives the creation dominion and and authority and says, go create, procreate, amen? He's intimately involved in your life. This last story, this is Nathaniel and Philip. I like to think of Jesus as what God has to say to humanity. Um, and there's this little story in the New Testament I want to close with. It uh, comes from John. I don't, I don't know if I put a slide up there, so I'm just going to read it for you. This is John chapter 1, verse 45 through 49. Uh, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we've found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets also wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael replied, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip replied, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he exclaimed, look, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? And Jesus replied, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It's just a subtle little thing. Jesus saw Nathanael. And I would argue he sees each of us, but not like, not like Santa Claus sees each of us kind of idea, like where you just are filled immediately with like shame and guilt and fear about all the things that you've done wrong. <laughs> That's not how he sees us. He knows your name, he knows your true name, and he knows your true nature. Not the nature that you feel shame about, not the nature that you feel guilt about or pain or sorrow, but your true nature in, in the one where you bear the image of God and have been given dominion over the earth to subdue it and rule over it and to enjoy it and name it and order it. You're not just the product of a machine. <laughs> You're not an accident. You are intimately known by the Creator God, whose image you bear. You are made to love and to be loved. You are designed with purpose. It's written on your heart. And I'll just close with this last quote. I think I wrote it on there. St. Augustine, our hearts are restless. Our heart is restless until it find, finds its rest in you. You were designed for a purpose. You are not on accident. You bear the image of the Creator God. There's no doubt. 
And if you don't believe the scripture, you don't believe the saints, you don't believe the pastor, believe what science tells us. It's how you were made. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that just as you saw Philip, or just as you saw Nathaniel, Lord, that you see each one of us. And Lord, and not in the way that sparks fear in our hearts, but in a way that calls something true out of us. Just like you saw no, a true Israelite in Nathaniel in whom there was no deceit, you see something beautiful in each of us. Jesus, I pray that we would have eyes to see that same thing. But all the ways in which the world tells us that we're not enough. Lord, may your voice ring louder than ever that we bear your image and that we're made for purpose. There's no accident to our existence here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to close us in prayer. Lord, I pray that this week you would help us to step into this dawning realization and this, this that we would start to claim and own finally the meaning and the purpose that you have written on our hearts, that we are bearers of your image, made to create and name and have dominion over and order and to love and be loved. We love you so much, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.